Okay, and now to the text. I hope you have a Bible near you. I'd invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, the lectionary now three weeks in a row. Has us in Matthew 10. It just might be that there's something we need to learn. And it has to do with mission because Matthew chapter 10 is all about mission. And heretofore, you might be of the impression that mission is sort of a dark and grim matter. Because we've seen Jesus enlisting the apostles and giving them sort of a grim picture of the reception that they'd meet. It says in chapter 10 and verse 1 that Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. Jesus enlisted the apostles. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And as we've seen, all of chapter 10 is a behind closed doors session where Jesus is preparing those first 12 apostles for the mission that they'd be experiencing. He said in verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. He said, verse 22, you will be hated by all because of my name. Verse 24, a disciple is not above my teacher. He said, verse 26, have no fear of them. And he said, verse 34, do not think I've come to bring peace to earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. Pretty harrowing instructions. Not something that brings to mind happy times. It's like Jesus is sending them out into opposition and aggression. But right at the end, as he lands the plane, verse 40, he says, whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. In chapter 11, now when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and proclaim his message in their cities. So Jesus ended on a positive note. And he ended with the concept of welcome, which is quite compelling. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. I've been thinking this week about the invitational aspect of the gospel, of our personalities, and of the heart of God. It's something that just rolls off of our tongue as another one of our uh, English language formalities. 
Somebody says to you, thank you, what do you say? Danada, or you say, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. What does it mean to be welcome? What does it mean when someone welcomes you? When someone receives you? Because whenever we talk about gospel or whenever we talk about mission, we tend to think in terms of, yeah, people really aren't going to want to hear what you have to say, so you need to steel yourselves against that. And there's all kinds of this in chapter 10. But Jesus chose, I think, very intentionally to end on a positive note with this idea of welcome. There will be those who receive you. What does it mean to be received? What does it mean to be welcomed? It means to be at home. I want to invite you to think about the most comfortable place on earth. Where is that for you? Maybe that's your place. Maybe that's your home, like your sanctuary. Maybe it's a certain part of your home. Maybe it's another home. Maybe it's your grandmother's house from years ago. You can still go there in your mind. You can see the sights, right? You can smell the smells. The magic happened in the kitchen. And there was a place at the table for everyone, right? It was a place of belonging. It was a place where you knew you fit. A place where you didn't have to question who you are or what your worth was or anything like that. It's just a place that was natural and peaceful and easy. That welcome, according to verse 40, takes us directly to the heart of God. Because the people who receive the messenger Jesus said, receive Jesus who stands behind the messenger. And the one who receives Jesus receives the Father who sent him. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 30 said, the Father and I are one. That was a pretty bold claim for any prophet or holy person to make. That they were one in essence, with God, the eternal Heavenly Father. Yet Jesus had the audacity to make that assertion. I and the Father are one. So to receive the messenger is to receive Jesus who sent the messenger. To receive Jesus is to receive the Father. And more importantly, to be received by him. To be at home in the Father's embrace. To be in a place of absolute comfort, acceptance, love, and joy. When you think about our lives out there in the world, all of the going and doing this and that and the other, it doesn't seem that peaceful and easy. But the message that Jesus sent his first followers to proclaim was just that. There is a place of refuge. There's a place of peace. There's a place where you're welcome, right? Like cheers where everyone knows your name. It's just a place where you belong.
And you don't have to struggle or contend or fight for acceptance. It's there as a matter of course. Without question, you belong. Now you see, this takes on meaning in terms of the manner in which we live out our mission and express who we are as followers of Jesus. This message of his is our message. This is what we portray to the world. That's why we say around here at church, there's a place for you. Well, there hasn't been a place for you for about 15 weeks. But we're working on making a place for you. There's a place for you, just not yet. We mean that you belong, that you fit in. You can come as you are. You can be who you are. It's not a message that says, come to this place and we'll change you and we'll rearrange you and we'll reinvert your priorities or values. No, come as you are. Follow Jesus with us. It's a place that's warm. It's a place that's comfortable. It's a place where you can be without judgment. It's a place where you can grow and learn and discover increasingly who you are in discipleship to Jesus. And who you are is different than who I am, is different than who she is. Uh, we're all on our own journey. But the beauty of it is that it's a shared journey. And the platform for sharing that is the church. And this is the message. This is the gospel that we proclaim. There's a place of welcome. So whoever welcomes the messenger, welcomes Jesus, welcomes the Father, is enfolded into the Father's embrace, Whoever welcomes a prophet, verse 41, in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. I wish I could tell you what the reward was. I wish I could lay it out for you as an incentive and a motivation. But Jesus didn't do that, so why should we? Suffice it to say there's a benefit to following Christ. There's a really big payoff at the end. And it's something that Jesus said is worthy of our entire lives. Losing our lives for Jesus means finding it. Finding who we are. Finding value. Finding meaning and living a life of purpose that ends in reward. What could be better than that? And whoever, verse, verse 42, whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Matthew, Matthew had a thing for the little ones. And he portrayed Jesus in this light as being hospitable. You see, that's a part of the welcome. It, it's a part of everyone matters. It's part of, there's a, there's a place for you at the table. No one is excluded in the kingdom. You're all welcome. But especially those who are vulnerable. And in the history of the Christian church, nothing has been more telling than our treatment of those 
who are most vulnerable. Matthew highlighted Jesus' treatment of children. A couple of texts that are familiar to you, I'm sure. In Matthew 18 and verse 1, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Doesn't that language sound familiar? It reverberates all the way back to Matthew 10 and Jesus' instruction to the first disciples. This idea of welcome, welcoming the little ones, welcoming the vulnerable ones, welcoming those who the world treats as somehow inferior and insignificant. In the ancient Near East, children didn't matter for much. Jesus said, you want to know who's great? This little kid here, this dirty little kid that doesn't pay attention, doesn't follow the rules. That's who's most important. Jesus valued children. Okay. Matthew 19 and verse 13 says, Then little children were being brought to him, because word had gotten out apparently, little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it's to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid his hands on them and went on his way. The disciples thought Jesus didn't have time. That there were more important things to do than hang out with the kids. After all, the kids can't put anything in the offering plate, right? The kids can't contribute to the bottom line. The kids can't be leaders and administrators in the kingdom. But Jesus said, guess what? I've got all the time in the world for children. Think about your own use of time and your priorities. And, and think about it in terms of play. How much time do you allocate in your schedule? to being carefree. <laughs> There's something that Jesus found remarkably valuable about children. And if children teach us anything, they teach us that. That not everything counts. That it's okay to have free time, right? What did you have when you were a kid in school? You had recess. And then what happened? You grew up and you got a job. And you never went out to play again. When was the last time you got on a swing? With a face covering. Six feet away from all the other children. And enjoyed a time of play. Think about your use of time and resources in terms of the people that you spend time with. 
Not only children in a literal, physical sense, the little ones, yes, but think about those that our society counts as children. Those perhaps with developmental disabilities. Man. Think about Henry Nouwen, Catholic priest, who lived out his life in priority in a community for the developmentally disabled. This guy was a world-renowned scholar, lecturer, respected spiritual giant. And this is how he determined to spend his time. Why? Because he knew in doing so that he was close to the heart of God. How about others that we brush aside as not worthy of our time. People who are different from us, people who are older, people whom we deem insignificant, who have nothing to offer. Think about the way your life has been impacted by the coronavirus. And then imagine with me that you live in a long-term care facility and in those long-term care facilities, you are relegated to your room. And the help that comes in comes briefly and comes covered and spends as little time as possible at your bedside. Oh, and the family that used to come and visit you can't visit anymore. Think about how those folks are suffering. How can you get to them? Maybe physically you can't go. There's other ways you can. They're not on the internet. They're not on FaceTime. It might mean writing a letter. Reaching out. One way or another. There's got to be a way for us. But the way that we use our time and a lot our resources says so much about us and about the ways in which we do or do not embrace the heart of God and his welcome. Really, in our times, we've got it all upside down. The things and the people and the institutions and the principles that we value and we prize are, are probably at the bottom of Jesus' priorities. And those we count as throwaways. Number one in the kingdom. It's like Jesus is saying to the original 12, you know, guys, keep this in mind as you go on your way. <coughs> keep in mind this idea of welcome. This idea of reception there is a place in the center of God's heart where you and I are at perfect rest and ease and it's in that place from that vantage point that we reach out to the people that God has placed in our lives. 
The Lord bless you, friends, and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace.